On this episode of Dweeb Dive, we take a look at the season finale for season two of The Mandalorian and all the implications that it has. So let's go ahead and batten down those hatches and... Dive, dive! Bravo 6, going dark. What's going on, everybody? A very... Merry early Christmas to you all and to you, Connor, uh, joined by my co-host as always. How you doing, man? I am filled with the Christmas spirit, Austin. For the first time in a decade, I finally feel happiness in my heart. So you could say it's going wow. pretty well. Yeah, that sounds pretty pretty good. Pretty <laughs> pretty good. Just like the Grinch. Kind of heart growing, three sizes too large, suggesting that he suddenly gained chronic heart failure from his enlarged heart. But, you know... Wow. Whatever. You really have learned a lot in nursing school, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's something I told my she was watching The Grinch and when his heart was growing, I was like, dang. You know CHF, CHF bro. <laughs> I uh I hadn't watched the the Jim Carrey's Grinch. I'd I'd always watched the classic 2D animation Grinch growing up, but I hadn't watched the you know, the one that everybody's like crazy about. Ashley, my girlfriend made me watch that because it's one of her favorite Christmas movies, but she fell asleep roughly 30 seconds oh. into the film so i was left alone nice. with this hellscape of a movie <laughs> dude it's it's impressive but terrifying i don't know how else to, i i'm i was i'm truly surprised that so many people like see that as like a warm sort of like oh this is a fun christmas movie that we our family likes to enjoy no dude it's terrifying <laughs> maybe i'm missing something but i i I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm all about it. Sorry, honey. She doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'm fine. There. Oh, there you but... go. Easy peasy. <laughs> Easy peasy. Yeah. And also, I don't remember if I said congestive heart failure, but that's what I meant. If I said chronic, oops, I meant congestive. Chronic heart but failure my... nation rising up yet again. Uh, see, I don't remember what I said. My my brain is still very mushy, so whatever. Are you Speaking of mushy congestive. brains, are you done with finals? Fine. Yeah, I finished last... Friday. So my my last one was on pathophysiology for That's right. That and it's actually it's funny because I took my final and then we watched the last episode and we'll get into it here in a second, but basically when I I guess I'll just bring it up when when we get to it, but there's basically a scene that happens and I'm like I I did uh pathophysiology of like neurological like CNS disorders yeah. and like trauma and stuff. And I'm just like <laughs> laughing at the, at what was happening to Mando because I'm like, he should be dead. I think he's dead. <laughs> like I'm, I'm like 900% sure he's dead or he should be. But so we'll get to that part. But it, it was funny that it coincided like that, but yeah, it was, yeah. Finals over. It just, uh, working and that's about it just enjoying my time off outside of that not studying and not having to do anything which is a great feeling um and yeah just ready for christmas and got a big trip to florida around new year's for nine days which will be fun and nice i will also be yes. down there as well but probably in a very different place this is kind of weird we're we're wrapping up for the second time on this podcast the mandalorian season i'm I'm suddenly feeling quite nostalgic, Austin. I th yeah, it, and so I think it's important to note that it, the Mandalorian's not over, although it felt like it mm -hmm. on the episode. But it just 
yeah, I mean the chat and the neck the second chapter is closed up and we'll have more Star Wars shows this time next year, but yeah, it it's weird because it's got such a good following and it's so awesome obviously to watch and everything that happened in this episode, I mean, means a ton. And now we just have to sit we we get to play the game of hurry up and wait. We hurried up through all the episodes as they came out and now we get to wait, which yeah, absolutely sucks. I mean, the Filoni verse is on the horizon, so we'll be yes, we'll be enjoying that soon enough, I'm sure. But before we do anything else, is it time for the two minute drill? Yes, the fastest two minutes. It's not usually two minutes, but yeah, see how long it takes. Okay, let's see if I don't trip all over myself. I definitely enjoyed what you did last week as I fell all over myself trying to to spit out words for the episode. But uh, hopefully we got a little bit cleaner cut here. Okay. I mean, your vocal skills, as always, have been elite. You've never stumbled <laughs> once, in my opinion, Austin. You're you're perfect in every way. Never change. Okay. You ready, sir? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. On this episode of The Mandalorian, we reach the season finale, episode 8, chapter 16, The Rescue. We find Mando cruising in with Bo-Katan and her Lieutenant Koska Reeves asking for their help to rescue the child. Bo-Katan essentially secures Mando's services to help her with Mandalore and the Darksaber because they're tracking down Moff Gideon. After a little bit of a scuffle with Boba Fett and Koska Reeves, this, that, and the other back and forth, they settle and they agree to go help. They're off with Boba Fett. They have a stolen shuttle and they're off into the cruiser thanks to Mayfield's coordinates. They skirt in there. They go all the way into the shuttle bay. Crash, burn, gird, what? <laughs> As smoke clears, the stormtroopers are wondering, why are they here? They shouldn't be here. Boba Fett jets off. And they come out guns a-blazing, blasting the stormtroopers, blasting the officers, blasting anybody that's not a Mandalorian. The crew makes their way to the cockpit while Mando sneaks out the bat to one, take care of the dark troopers, and two, find Baby Yoda, aka Grogu. We have an incredible fight with the dark troopers who are fully mechanized, and after Mando should probably be dead due to the traumatic brain injury he received, he is not, and he jettisons all the dark troopers out. After a conversation with Moff Gideon, they reach the control room when suddenly they could make it all the way. The dark troopers are back in the cruiser. They're marching. <laughs> oh they're banging. God. They are there. What are they going to do? They're probably all going to die. Wait a minute. What's that in the distance? It's an X-Wing. <gasps> Nostalgia. What do we see? A masked figure. Not masked. He's cloaked. Green lightsaber. Walking. Black glove. We know this, but do we know this? We don't know. He's slicing. He's dicing. He's going. He's juking. He's lefting. He's writing. He's cutting down all these dark troopers like it's nothing. <laughs> he reaches the door. He opens the door. And who is it but... One, Luke Skywalker. He takes Grogu after Mando gives his permission, and he is off with a The Force Will Be With You. Nice episode. 214. Like, on the dot, 214. And I, you know what? I'll let you have that one because it's the last episode. There's a lot There's a lot of moving parts here. And, you know, who knows when we'll have another Mandalorian breakdown. So you, you, might, as well, you might as well enjoy it while it lasts. I get it. Hey, I had fun. It was a good I'm time fun too. You're it was a little bit it was a little bit cleaner than uh, than the last one, I think. You have so. a future, sir, in color commentary for 
intergalactic space wars. That's for sure. <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait for that. The Space Force, you know, and the Guardians, maybe they'll have an opening yeah. <laughs> for color commentary. So who knows? A little real world uh, sci-fi news there. Guardians of the My Space Force. bright, man. That's so funny. Um, well, we're here. We've reached the end. Grogu is we gone. Did. And with it, yep. our hopes and dreams. Not really, but I, well, I just don't know what's going to happen here. I don't either, and if you follow the canon, Grogu should technically be dead. <gasps> um, because, obviously, Luke starts his temple, and then Ben, a.k.a. Kylo Ren, comes in with the men. Yep. Send, sends them all on their way, minus Luke. So Yeah, I mean, legacy or normal canon, like, Luke's Jedi Academy is doomed. They yeah. don't, and no translation of the lore do they make it out of there okay. Now, there are surviving members of that of this era of the Academy, uh, but they're disparate, and they kind of go their separate ways because they were like, well, that was a horrifying nightmare. Bye. <laughs> so, I don't think Grogu's appearance in, Mand- in The Mandalorian's over. Right? It can't be. No, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so. And I mean, if making that big jump, that big connection, when Luke takes Grogu, he's obviously very young. It's just after the fall of the Empire. Uh-huh. That's what he looks like. And then when you look to when his academy and slash temple fails due to Kylo Ren, there's a pretty good amount of time if you just want to base it on, obviously, Luke's age. Yeah. Luke's kind of an old dude, and, I mean, that's got to be at least 20, 30-plus years in the future. So I think it's it's a it's a stretch connection that makes sense because we know what happens with his academy. But in the interim, I don't think it's, uh, it's going to matter much as far as, like, Grogu will be in more Mandalorian or he'll be he'll be around. And it'll be an interesting dance to see how they interconnect all those dots because I'm sure we'll get more of them or, or something. But I have no idea how they're going to do it. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about... I mean, one, I think it's safe to say Grogu will make an appearance again, multiple, uh, because if he doesn't, then Star Wars Nation will rise up against everybody because I hate to say even it, the casual yeah. fans like Grogu. They love Grogu. There's not enough Grogu to goo around. So, Oh, um, you're on one today, dude. <laughs> it's, it's not in the morning, and I don't have finals, so I'm, I'm awake and I'm alert. We good. You know, I think we knew this had to happen, just considering what they'd set up for Grogu going forward. But just now with the, with the whole Mandalore arc that's obviously being you know that we're kind of tiptoeing into now with Bo-Katan that just seems like that's not going to involve in in an organic sense that's not going to involve Baby Yoda at all for any reason Uh, right so I just I know Grogu's going to be in the Mandalorian in the future my question is how how is that going to like connect back I guess we'll find out but uh, yep it's I agree it's a strange prospect, but I guess we should we should rewind a little bit here and talk about the old episode. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's pretty straightforward going into when Mando recruits Bo-Katan. And, I mean, the other, the other thing to note is the scuffle with Boba Fett and saying that he's not a Mandalorian, but I think 
almost everybody already knew that. I know we've said it multiple times, at least I feel like we have, yeah. that he's not a true Mandalorian, but how he got his armor was... I'm, I thought it, his, it was stolen, but who knows? They have it, and it's been in their family forever, just as typical Mandalorian lore dictates. So that's not a big deal. I think, obviously... A part that I can't cover in the fast two minutes because it's just obviously there's so much, but Bo Katan references the dark saber and going after Moff Gideon, and that's what she wants, and that she has to face him mm-hmm. is the foreshadowing that we get later on, but we don't really know why. At least you don't think you know why, but if you're familiar with Mandalorian culture by watching the Clone Wars or yeah, watching the Clone Wars, then you know that they're basically like the ancient society of Sparta and you basically have to fight for everything. Precisely. So. Yeah, and poor Mando not be, basically being the weird. <laughs> sorry to our Amish listeners, but <laughs> the weird Amish, <laughs> the weird Amish version wow. of a Mandalorian out there, just doesn't know these things. And uh, Amish nation is yeah. well, they they would they would rise the buggies. up if they use computers, but they don't. So. I think we're <laughs> I think we're fine. I feel like I'm doing some religious persecution here and I'm I uh I don't know how to feel about that. Awful because it's 2020 and you can't do that. I think I don't think the okay. I think the Amish have been riding pretty under the radar. <laughs> so they've just been living their easy lives. Yeah, I, I I don't think they're too upset, but uh if you know or love anybody who's Amish or you enjoy their baked goods, uh just know uh I'm with you on that. And they're they're great people. <laughs> I mean, not only are their baked goods good, but like their cold cuts. Oh, like, have you ever yeah. had like an Amish sandwich? Like, oh yeah, straight up Amish everything. Like, oh my gosh, what a sandwich! Absolutely uh, huge. Uh, I believe in, it was in Ohio. I went to like this Amish m- mecca. To <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it was like interesting a comp- blend. Okay, it, what? I said interesting blend Amish and Mecca, but okay. I'm just going all over the place. I'm trying to I'm trying to embroil myself in as many cross cultural references as possible to <laughs> dig the deepest hole. But um, it was basically a complex where there was like a baked goods center, and then like a sandwich center, and then like a livestock center, a wag a, swear to God a wagon repair center, and it was all in like in this compound. You could just walk around and just they'd be like, hey, like. Do you want 60 croissants? Because we only sell them wholesale. <laughs> and then we nice. bought like 60 croissants. It was awesome. I mean, it'd be worth it. Also, welcome to Amish Dive, the new podcast that we've just released this episode. Uh, how the hell did we get here? What? Man, I could <laughs> I compared the the sect that Mando belongs to to what it's like his sect to Mandalorianism oh, yeah. is what Amish is to like Christianity. Uh, right. Which I okay. which I do think is apt are. in a way without without yeah, being yeah, mean yeah. it is apt. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. So he doesn't know things like that, and that gets him into trouble with Bo-Katan. But before that, before that, yeah, I kind of want to. He gets his wait. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> are we talking about the dark trooper part? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got, we got to okay. talk about that. <laughs> um, I love an unstoppable mechanical titan as much as the next guy. Um, and I do think there's a novelty in them just being punch boys. <laughs> like they don't do anything else; they just punch. And part of me's like, "Oh yeah, this is awesome. This is like that BattleBots movie with uh, the guy who plays Wolverine, Hugh Jackman." At the same time, knowing what I know about how Dark Troopers were previously portrayed, 
that they're like these crazy acrobats. They like they're husks because their minds have been like so like warped and they can do like triple backflips and they have like dark force powers and their lightsaber mass. Like there's like, you know, there's a little bit of a gap between my, I guess my expectations for dark troopers and what they actually were. Obviously because they're robots, that's totally different. There's a whole other, there's other rules you have to consider when, you know, dealing with robotic fighters. And I get that, but there's just such a long, there's, there's great DNA for droids in combat in the star Wars universe through previous movies, uh, previous TV shows, and certainly the games. And to me, they just really didn't cut it. I don't know. I wasn't, I was convinced that they were powerful and that, like, they were beating the ever-living, just dank Ferrick out of Mando. Like, I, <laughs> I believe that that was happening when he was suffering, you know, multiple concussions, but <laughs> or brain contusions. I don't even know, like, how you would classify that much blunt force trauma. But, like, I, it was believable, but I, I was just like, man, like, they don't, that's it? They're just, like... They're basically walking, indestructible, for the most part, titans, and they just punch? <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah. it was a little suspect to me um, that they went that route. But uh, they didn't really display any, like, tactics that I thought were interesting. Well, really none at all. They really just kind of slowly walk at you and either shoot or punch you. And then they, I guess they flew back after getting ejected out of a spaceport, which was interesting, but... I mean, I saw that coming. Yeah, obviously. Right? Obviously, like, you're not just going to, like, eliminate all, like, 99% of them at once, but... Ah, I don't want to be, like, a hater, but it's just... it's a, It was about a 4 out of 10 for me on the Dark Troopers. Yeah, and I mean, they mentioned right at the beginning of the episode when they captured the Doctor, right, in that, in that shuttle mm-hmm. that... Uh, they finally had eliminated the weakest link in the Dark Trooper, which was the human element. So, I mean, it sounds like they just kind of... It would probably would have been a, quite the undertaking to go through the entire process of the Dark Trooper. But, and then they eliminated it, but then now we still don't know why they wanted Grogu's blood. We still aren't sure. But if Luke made an appearance, then is it a reach i think we talked about it before of a sect of the empire surviving and knowing the emperor was still alive or you know the whole snoke clone thing all four sensitive people i mean i don't know like do we make that connection now because uh, the dark trooper thing's dead or i think we kind of like to. the introduction of luke because luke's gonna tie that in so now we have the 100 percent tie-in from all the star wars stories are now tied in together like there's no more gaps. Like we can make assumptions, strong assumptions that are most likely true between every single storyline now with Luke being in the final, you know, season finale of this and then obviously Thrawn being mentioned with Ahsoka, like that all connects now. Yeah. So but I mean like what else would they use Grogu's blood for if not for four sensitive dark troopers? They're all mechanized. Like what else? So you know, I think that's that's the question. And yeah, I mean, like, I thought it was cool. Like, the fight was cool, and then it's cool having uh, robots and stuff. But I think you, you're you right, and they're not... They're just very one-dimensional in what they do. They stomp, they shoot, they punch. 
but that's it. It's not like uh, there's no creativity to their fighting style, if you will, which is something that's always exciting. Right. Like obviously, General Grievous was like 98% robot, but he had a super creative fighting style and could learn because he was still organic as far as his vitals were concerned, even though they were really, really lucky. So sure, and even if they were fully droid. So what if they're not imbued with, you know, dark force energy or any, any of that stuff? There's so many droids in the Star Wars canon, legacy and current, that are really cool combatants. And they employ, like, a number of tools and gadgets and, you know, uh, I just, I thought it was a weird choice. Yeah. And and then I just I just want to talk about really fast the traumatic brain injury that Mando <laughs> suffered as he was getting his head punched into the wall and like I said at the very beginning of the episode, I just finished a pathophysiology exam, my final, which covered urinary tract, central nervous system, and musculoskeletal system. Yeah. So literally watching him just get punched in the metal helmet over and over that would just basically ping pong your brain and your skull back and forth because of those concussion. I mean, he punched his head and into the wall. Yeah. Like, I was just sitting there the entire time like, he's dead. 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 Brain bleed. Brain bleed. Brain bleed. Brain bleed. Brain bleed. Brain bleed. Like, the whole time I was just giggling because I'm like, it's just so funny that I just studied it and I'm watching this on TV as he's getting his face punched in. And I'm like, yeah, he would totally be dead here. Yo, man, that was just built different. I clearly he is. <laughs> well, maybe the Beskar has like airbags in the helmet <laughs> that just like deployed, so it's like nothing in his head helmet moved, and he was completely comfortable as he was getting his face punched in or something. Yeah, like, I don't know. That's the only way. Like the, I was thinking, if the helmet was like the perfect snug fit, then the helmet itself like wasn't getting accelerated that fast. So he should be okay, but that is likely not the case. Well, it's just like the energy from the massive punches has to transfer somewhere. Like you can't just get rid of it. And assuming yeah, the helmet would absorb it all is, I mean, I just don't think physics works that way. So obviously we're just being very technical about it and it, it's fine in this story, but I just think it's so funny that, I had studied this, and I'm watching this. I'm like, this dude's dead. Like, 1,000%, he's dead. It's worth noting, and I'll be honest, I don't know what the current canon is for Mandalorians, if they're just another human species, and that's it. Because, uh, at least in legacy content, they are, they're near human, but they, they are a different species in legacy content. They're, uh, they have, like, natural regeneration, not, like, crazy, but they have natural regeneration uh, that's enhanced by implants, typically. Um, they don't need as much oxygen, I believe, was another thing that they have going on. They have, like, better cardiovascular strength and blah, 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 blah. They're like, it's like, what, uh, what's the race? Like what's, what's, fighters, what's, what's the race in Star Trek? Not Klingons, the uh, other guys. I do not know. Uh, well... Oh, oh, what Spock is, yeah. right? There goes my nerd pedigree. Jeez. I don't know. Anyway. This is a Star Wars podcast, not a Star Trek podcast. I, uh, do, I do like the original Star Trek. <laughs> we should talk about that sometime. Anyway. Woo! Um, so, maybe there's a plausible 
like way to explain that like his his skull bone is thicker than most humans and he can take the punches but whatever that doesn't really matter that it was interesting um it's always interesting to see mando kind of shaken out of his element and have to fight in a new way all all okay with me um and most of the episode was okay with me uh there wasn't too much that I had gripes with. I think the everything that happened in the situation room or the sorry, the bridge and to the end of the episode, those that was the shakiest stuff for me. Like what mm-hmm. Moff Gideon was yeah. doing with the gun and then like he's like, Haha and he shoots Bo Katan and you see her like fly backwards and then nobody reacts to that at all. And then you don't see her for like a little, like a couple minutes, and then she's just in the background again, standing up. What was the point of that? He didn't do anything. He might as well throw, like, had thrown a pie at her face and been like, haha. And then <laughs> I just don't understand what that was. Like, why was that even included? He was like doing all this stuff, like, covertly, and the camera's really focusing on him, like, hiding the gun with his cape. And, like, first of all, why didn't they clear all the weapons and kick them away from him? Just basic, stupid stuff. Ah! I'm becoming grumpy. I'm becoming grumpy. It. I guess it's fine. Mm. I don't know. Don't be grumpy. Don't be grumpy. It just when it's a bunch of little decisions like that, it just makes me feel a little sketchy about what was going on in their heads while making this episode. Was their heart really in it? Were they really thinking at the top of their intelligence about where they plan to go with the next season and like how to wrap this one up in a satisfying way? Yada 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 yada. Um. Which, if you're ready, are you ready to talk about Luke? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, the species that Spock is is Vulcan, by the way. He's oh, half yeah, Vulcan. Right, 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 right. Um, so there's that. See, yeah, less grumpy now. Thanks. Now we uh-huh. have more information. Yeah, I just wanted to point. Um, I just wanted to point I think, Vulcan out though, really quick, because <clears throat> Vulcans—they're just better human. <laughs> there's no like yeah. trade-off. They're really just better than humans, and like it's kind of lazy writing in a way. Now. Not to come at Star Trek because Vulcans are the Vulcan human dynamics really fleshed out once that series gets going. But the old school Mandalorian lore is very, pretty lazy. It's just they look exactly like humans, but they're just better. <laughs> so I I'm I'm pretty glad that that's not the case anymore. At least I don't yeah. think it is. But yeah, let's talk about Luke. Well, let, before we get to Luke, we need to talk about the interaction between Moff Gideon and, and Mando because he gets to the cell and Moff Gideon's there, right? Um, yeah. And they fight. Um, I honestly thought initially when Moff Gideon made that deal with Mando or was trying to make a deal or what well, a too. fake deal. I did too. I absolutely did as well. I was like, yeah. I was like Mando's going to take this deal and leave and like he's going to leave everybody. Which I thought, I was like, all right, well, that's a twist. Obviously, he gets betrayed, but, like, I think it was uh, an interesting dynamic and of of their conversation. And then, I mean, I thought the fight was pretty cool. Moff Gideon's kind of older, but he's still got some moves a little bit. Um, the pure bliss and joy that probably everybody felt when we see Grogu again for the first time in a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Just kind of being Grogu, you know, doing Grogu things being handcuffed that clearly don't fit him but at the same time are still on him (laughs) so that that was exciting but yeah i I mean they have that interaction and then it turns out the fight that he has with moff gideon moff gideon seems to have planned this and i mean i think it 
he he almost knows almost everything that's happening uh, up until Luke gets there. I mean, like he knows he he's very planned in his his moves of meeting Mando with Grogu, and he's either what gonna defeat Mando and get away, or he's gonna cause this new rift to appear in our main character storyline with another big character, which is going to have massive implications. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely glad we're, we're kind of talking about that, um, which then will transition to the bridge be- before Luke gets there. Yeah, but I mean, I'd, I'd like to. Th- did you like? Did you like everything that happened there? I I, I want to throw in on the Moff Gideon that scene. I'm glad you brought that up when you did because I thought, yeah, this is a real negotiation that's going on. Moff Gideon actually is offering this and. Yeah, I thought there was going to be a split. I mean, that's everything seemed to be going that way, and I, I thought, wow, if Moff Gideon turns around and tries to kill him, this just like, okay, I guess. And then he did, and I was like, wow, they really went for that. Uh, the fight scene itself was cool. The Beskar glowing and lighting up from you know the resistance, and you know, it's th- it's like you know uh, threshold is super high for heat. Like that was all really cool, but. I just, I guess I don't understand who Moff Gideon really is. And I think part of that issue is because we haven't yet been told what the hell he's doing with the blood. If not for the Dark Troopers, then, like, what the, like, what is this for? Like, what is your deal here, man? I just, I found myself being kind of frustrated because, like, (sighs) Moff Gideon, he's, they're obviously writing him as, like, this super smart, cunning guy. Uh, he knows your every move, and he's he's got you dialed in with all of his background information, and he's always one step ahead. But, like, what is the step? <laughs> because I don't know what he's up to. I don't know what he cares about. I don't know how he gets his information. I don't know why he's so vindictive. I don't know anything about him. I just know that Giancarlo Esposito is, like, very convincingly, like, a smart, uh, precise guy, given his film history as uh one of the best villains of tv villains of all time who was also precise and very smart and very calm but that's it i feel like it's kind of you know what it is it's kind of like the whole marshall marshall thing in the very first episode this season with timothy oliphant Mm. and i don't think this was i don't think that episode mattered as much so it doesn't matter like it compared to like you know who moff gideon is but they use the guy who played a marshal on tv that was very much an established character and they borrowed that dna and thrust it into the mandalorian and they got away with it because it translates very easily into like the western setting of the mandalorian but then you have Giancarlo esposito who plays a cunning calm and collected dude in breaking bad and then you just throw him in the mandalorian and you don't really give us much to like understand what his plight is in life like what's his conviction you know, what's the conceit of the Moff Gideon thing? Like, we don't have enough to really understand that. So all we can really do is be like, well, he's this cunning guy. But we don't know much of, like about the mechanics of his cunning or the details of his information network. He's just kind of there. That's where I, I think it's all coming to me now. I didn't really realize this. I was thinking more about the Luke stuff because that was more in your face. But actually, actually, I think the reason why this episode was only about a 5 or 6 out of 10 for me was 
and really this season was only about a 6 out of 10 for me, was because of Moff Gideon. There's just, they didn't supply the goodies. They didn't supply, like, his whole deal. It's just, hey, here's this guy that looks and sounds the part that is, you're going to have to just deal with that. You're going to have to, like, that's going to have to be enough for you until we get, you know, more plot points in season three. Rant over. Um, yeah, I see that. Um, I mean, all we know is that Moff Gideon was former Imperial intelligence. So, you know, obviously intelligence officers are very smart. This, to me, seems like another villain that we've met in the Star Wars canon before who was name-dropped a couple episodes ago. And that is one of General Thrawn, or Grand Admiral, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, and I can't help but wonder if they are trying to build up Moff Gideon as this all-knowing villain guy as the understudy to Thrawn, who, if you watch Rebels, you know that is literally how Thrawn is. He knows everything about everybody, and he knows exactly what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. He is that much of a masterful tactician and he's got this cool and calm demeanor about him and he just knows how to play the war game incredibly well. And like thinking on it and and looking at Moff Gideon and what he is, like I just see this connection. So I can't help but wonder if Moff Gideon is working for Thrawn or working under Thrawn or, or there's the connection there. Or maybe he's just a character by design. Like I don't know. I'd like to think it's more of the Thrawn thing because... That just makes it more, it just adds more to it, in my opinion, because Thrawn is so menacing in Rebels. And like, it's literally the random last ditch Hail Mary effort by Ezra that they're even able to defeat Thrawn in the first place. So, um, you know, I don't know uh, with with, uh, with Gideon. Obviously, yeah, we have no idea what his story is or, or what he's about. And that's annoying and, and frustrating. So I agree with you there. But, you know. I don't know if it's just a, a guy fitting a character as much as it could potentially be matching of character as far as like an understudy, if you will, and the introduction, maybe the introduction of Grand Admiral Thrawn, or maybe we just see him in Ahsoka, you know, I don't know. Um, it, it, since they're doing like the MCU style crossovers, like Thrawn could certainly be in both since he was name dropped, um, but we, we just don't know. So um yeah i mean moff gideon is is a question mark and he continues to be so until probably season three but yeah i i'm not ready to just hang my hat on on moff gideon like it makes more sense with the marshal because we haven't seen him since and we maybe see him as a cameo for one episode next season or something because boba fett is now on tatooine um and we'll get to that but like so is the marshal and so is the droid lady. So maybe we'll see more cameos there. I don't know. So it's my weak defense of Moff Gideon and just my my wonderings of if well, he's connected to Thrawn at all. Because literally, I'm telling you, like Thrawn is like exactly like this in, in Rebels. Like he just knows everything about all the characters. And you're like, how does he know this? But he just knows somehow. And then he's just like this brilliant tactician sure. that... Well, you know, does all this stuff. So, but I'm I mean, sure in again, Rebels, I'm sure in Rebels, you and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure 
the reason why he's so compelling is you see him doing these tactical things that display his intelligence. Am I wrong? Uh, no, I mean, you definitely get snippets of just him and his planning. I mean, you don't get to see like all of it, but yeah, I would say there's a lot more to his approach that you see like, oh boy, he already knows what they're going to do before they're doing it. Like he's predicting what they're going to do. Well, like what I'm saying, even if you don't see the planning phase, I'm I'm assuming you see him like give orders to his underlings and like say the plan is you go over here and you go do this and like we'll pincer them or like stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure you see plenty of that. That's what I'm saying. For someone who hasn't seen Thrawn and doesn't know anything about that side of the story, for someone and for new viewers of The Mandalorian even, what are they supposed to think about Moff Gideon? Like he doesn't, yeah, he hasn't true. done anything besides be like for the Empire, and then you know <laughs> that guy chews on the electric cyanide <laughs> pill. So right, uh, I don't know. I hope I hope we get a little bit like you know it would be the ultimate just waste for me if if next season mm-hmm. Moff Gideon dies like pretty quick. And he's done, and then, like, Thrawn is, like, the big bad. Because it's like, what the hell was Moff Gideon doing this whole time? Right. I I don't know if he'll die unless someone kills him or he kills himself. Because it sounds like they really needed to interrogate him because he was former intelligence and he would know a lot of this, that, and the other. So that would be my guess, but who knows, man? You know, who who knows with that? But, uh... The next implica- the final implication before we get to Luke. Uh-huh. The dark saber and the future conflict of Bo-Katan and Mando. That's cool. That is actually massive. It's actually huge that this is now happening, right? And and you know, Mando fights Moff Gideon Moff Gideon yields, gives over the weapon, or Mando takes it. And in that act, right there, our Mando becomes the destined leader for Mandalore now. Mm-hmm. Because of that. Because the Darksaber signifies the leader I love, of Mandalore. I love this conflict that they're setting up. Uh, a season between Bo-Katan and Mando wrestling with like this reclamation of Mandalore arc. That's great. That's That's got tons of legs to it. I'm all for it. Sad about Grogu. We'll see how that works out. But the Mandalore arc is a go, and I'm happy about that. One thing, like, just to tie this back to Moff Gideon, too, because I saw this online a couple times. People were like, oh, Moff Gideon lost the fight handily. Or once he knew he was losing the fight, he handily let Mando win. So he would set up this dynamic and put a rift between Bo-Katan and Mando. And I'm over here saying, okay, if that's true, then why? Why does he care what (laughs) like why would he go through all that trouble in such like a roundabout way to like set up this rift between people who don't really have a relationship anyway i again very confused uh if i'm and i'm hoping that's not the case because i actually think that brings down this new dynamic between bo katan and mando uh rather than than if this just came about organically which I'm, i'm hoping it's the latter i'm really really hoping it's the latter but yeah i'm it's basically on that premise alone that I'm excited about season three. It it has just such big implications because, like you said, it it's like this weird dynamic of rift, not rift, 
Because obviously bo and Mando have done each other favors and have helped each other, and Mando's, you know, agreeing to, to help maybe retake Mandalore, or essentially, like, they're, they're kind of working friends, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's like they can't. Like, they, they actually can't because of Bo-Katan's desire to be the leader of Mandalore again. She's already been it before, which was the transition between um, Clone Wars into, you know, the creation of the Empire and the loss of Mandalore, essentially, to the Empire. And then somewhere along the way, she loses the Darksaber again. So she she gets it from... Or she wins it... can't remember i think she actually gets it from ahsoka so she technically doesn't really win it in the first place because maul has it oh boy so then we got to backtrack so maul has it ahsoka beats maul she gives it to bo-katan i think bo-katan just ends up accepting it and then somewhere along the way she loses it and then Oh my gosh, in Rebels, she gets it back because Sabine <laughs> Wren gets it. Right. Who gives it again to Bo Katan. And then she loses it again. So she loses it twice. And both times she got it, it was given to her by a friend. Yeah. Maybe that's why she feels so, so strongly about what's happening then. I honestly I don't know. I did not really realize Until that this moment. she hadn't actually fought for it because <laughs> That reminds me, I actually saw something about Bo-Katan and her want to be, you know, the leader of Mandalore. And then I saw something about like, well, technically Ahsoka should be the leader of Mandalore because she's the one that defeated Maul. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense because Maul is the one with the Darksaber because he kills the person and then takes it because of the fighting style culture. Like the way Maul gets it is correct. He kills the person that has it which was Bo-Katan's like senior officer or whatever, he gets killed. And that's when half the death watch become Maul watch people. Um, And then Ahsoka beats Maul in a fight and captures him. And then, yeah, I'm pretty sure Ahsoka, like, I don't think I need to rewatch it, but Ahsoka gives Bo-Katan the dark saber to lead her people out of this conflict and then again, Sabine Wren gets her hands on it in Rebels. She like it's like in a really weird place that it ends up. She gets it and then ends up giving it back to Bo Katan to be the leader because Bo Katan's like, no, you're the leader. And Sabine Wren's like, no, I gotta go find Ezra. You're the leader. So it's like tag you're it, but with the Darksaber. And then I guess she loses it again. So Yeah, you know what? I don't really know. Wow, that's cr- so I obviously I I I texted you earlier. I am you know, going in on the Clone Wars now, and I'm enjoying yeah. it so far. But obviously, I'm not to this point yet in this in the Clone Wars. I did not realize that Bo-Katan has lost it twice and gained it twice, both by gifting. I mean, maybe this is, and maybe Filoni feels bad about that, and maybe he's wanting to retcon that whole situation by, you know, kind of redoing the lore for the Dark Saber and you know the mantle of responsibility when it comes to, you know, leading Mandalore. And maybe this is his chance to do it, but that it is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, huh. I, I, I mean, you'll like so that you won't get to that part until like the very end of the Clone Wars because that's when that happens. Right. And then the second time is in Rebels, so you'd have to watch Rebels 
But yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back on it, and she doesn't fight Sabine Wren or Ahsoka, so um, I'm <laughs> she's basically maybe if there's like if the planet is in like a severe debt to the person, they can just give it to the leader they think is best. Maybe they explain it. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, they and it could they be Mandalorian specific over. too. Well, Ahsoka's not Mandalorian. That's what I'm though. saying. Because Ahsoka wasn't Mandalorian, she's not beholden to their way of life. But because Mando is, now that interaction is back up. Wait, who gave it to her the second time? But it doesn't make it, Sabine Red, oh, who is crap. a Mandalorian. Yeah, well, there goes that theory. Well, <laughs> you got some explaining to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. But so, yeah, long story short, it's going to be a very interesting interaction between Bo-Katan and Mando because of the Darksaber thing. And I think it's just funny his ignorance towards it when, like, Moff Gideon's laughing at him like, yo, you don't understand. And Mando's looking at him and then looks at Bo-Katan. He's like, all right, I don't have time for this. I yield. Here you go. And then she won't take it. I think she thought about taking it, but, you know, obviously she doesn't. Um, And there has to be a story associated with claiming it or whatever they say. So I don't really know how that all ties together. Maybe they're not expecting all those dots to be connected, but I'm sure there's going to be other people out there oh, that do the same yeah. thing. So, oh, yeah. Um, no question, you know, people are, we're not the first to make this point. No way. Yeah. Um, so I just, I guess that aside, it, it's going to be a fun dynamic to see what ends up happening. You know, maybe they retake Mandalore and, and then they have to have like a fight, but I don't think it's a fight to the death, right? It's just like an actual fight. So... I feel like they could just solve it very easily and Mando could just let her win. or But I feel like that's not their way either. So they'll probably go at it or, or something. I don't know, man. Who knows? Maybe something, something big to look will happen where... That is, so, that yeah. is not uh, an issue as much as to me as that's like something to look forward to. That How they're going to like figure that out. Um, to me, the issue is what the hell is going to happen to Grogu and what's up with Luke now? Is Luke part of the yeah. Mandalorian universe or is this a one-time cameo? Is Grogu going to have like this side story that's going to intersperse while Mando's off doing his thing, Grogu's off doing his other thing with Luke? Can they carry that much CGI work with Luke's face throughout a whole other yeah, season? Yeah, I was going to say, that would be the big question. I don't think they will. The CGI I don't work. think they will because it's so risky and it's such a hard thing to frame. And you notice that like Luke didn't move very much when his face was revealed that was for a reason because the method they and i already bitched about this uh if i can use strong language but um they did a really really good job technically with luke's face if you don't know how they accomplished that they made a texture by amalgamating reference footage of young luke skywalker they made a face texture out of that and they pasted it on a 2d model or sorry a 3d model that was also made from uh, old reference images of Luke Skywalker. They pasted it on there, and then they had it rigged up to a human actor. Um, very complicated process. Very expensive. Very hard to do. And then some guy on YouTube, 30 minutes after the episode is released, does a deep fake using one reference photo of Luke Skywalker, young Luke Skywalker, puts it over that footage, and it looks 50 times better. This is not important. It doesn't matter. But I'm just saying, people who do graph CGI motion graphic work, please embrace deepfakes. They are cost-effective, they're way faster, and the results are way better. 
stop using awkward hand-done 3D models. Please, please stop doing it if it doesn't make sense. Please stop doing it if it doesn't make sense. Thank you. I'm now getting off my soapbox. Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> XOXO Gossip Girl. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, that aside, that aside, I don't think they're going to – they don't have the resources to, like, keep Luke going uh, if that's right. the way they're going to go about it. And I really don't think Luke's going to be a character. Um, so all the more reason to say – what the hell is going to happen to Grogu? Yeah. Like, what's up? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, is it Maybe it's one of the new shows, too, or something? Like, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I know the basic premise of most of the shows, including Visions now, uh, uh, friend of the show, uh, Jack, my, my old pal, my old buddy boy. He told me, like, for mm-hmm. instance, Visions, which I knew nothing about. Visions is going to be – it's the art style is going to be, like, more so in the in the world of anime. Uh, it, it's it's uh. Japanese artists and filmmakers that are going to be, like, doing that. Um, so uh, we've heard nothing about what's happening to Grogu. And, like, they're not shy about telling us things like this. Like, when uh, – you know, the just to dip into this, I know we'll probably touch on this in a second. But in Boba Fett's post-credit scene with the Book of Fett coming out, they're like, hey – Here's what's happening to Boba Fett. It's very clear. Right. Not so much with Grogu. So the ultimate, like, and this is a reality that I want people to be emotionally prepared for, is that Grogu may no longer be a main character or a character at all after this season. Now, I know, look, I know that sounds highly improbable, and it is highly improbable, considering their reaction and the marketability of Baby Yoda, but hear me out. This show may have been written as an anthology of Mando's life, and it kind of moves in paces where he goes through seasons of being with people, and then, you know, they he moves on. So, I wonder if it was originally written that Grogu was going to leave the show after the second season, or, you know, after his arc is completed, and then Mando's supposed to move on with this all this Bo-Katan business. But I'll tell you right now, yeah. every marketing executive that works at disney on the star wars side is going no grogu must stay in <laughs> you don't understand yeah. so and I, and I and i know favreau knows that, and filoni know that too so i wonder if just in the the way it was written originally it really feels like grogu's not going to be part of it but now i'm sure they're writing it in such a way where he will be that's my prediction of what's going on behind the scenes at least what about you austin well i wonder if Falani and Favreau would bend to the will of marketing versus the true nature of a star wars storyline and i don't really know how to answer that question i don't i wouldn't say resounding yes or no either way but like yeah. I, I don't know if they like i think they would understand the implications but you could certainly still market grogu even if he's not in the show anymore, obviously it wouldn't have nearly the same effect as that fresh, you know, cute little face every time you see him. But like, I wouldn't put it past Fulani and Favre to be like, no, his like for us to continue along the line for it to make sense. Like right now he's not going to be a part of anything. So maybe we won't see him for a season or so, but um, the return of young Grogu. 
Yeah, maybe I mean, he be, can talk and yeah. then, you know, lightsaber or whatever. I I don't know. It, it's it's interesting to to certainly think about with with his arc and what could potentially have been his last episode as far as we know um with Luke. But yeah, I agree. I don't think Luke's going to really be a uh play a part to your point the CGI is just way too much. Um I, what what they do with it who knows but what did you think of luke just cutting through the dark troopers like swiss cheese like it wasn't even a fight at first i was like oh that's a little weird like this is if this is like an original character that we're just meeting for them to be like this proficient and this skilled and make it look this easy uh that's kind of like that's going to be an issue moving forward because now we have the issue of power levels again then i was like oh wait yo that's luke and i was like totally makes sense um, and I think that it was an appropriate display of power, considering that it was Luke. Again, yeah. a little disappointed because the Dark Trooper is not that cool of enemy combatants. Hate to say right. it. I hate to say it. I really hate to say it. That being said, there was enough done to where it was impressive that you know Luke could do what he did. So, eh. It was it was both cool but also bittersweet for me. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think I I think the people were comparing it to when Vader made his appearance on Rogue One um in the corridor and I still think that's the better scene, quite honestly. Oh, not even close. I don't think it yeah. I don't think it's close not to Vader in the dark. Close cutting down all those rebels there's actual all the rebel scum yeah there's actual stakes in that scene and you have like the human interaction the pangs of fear and worry splashed across their faces as they try to get this data module down the line the way they're screaming and like they're pounding on the doors help us help us and then the framing of the lightsaber it's its own thing in the darkness slicing people in half and then it occasionally will illuminate vader's face there's no question that that is the more powerful scene. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, I do see the parallels, however. I do oh, see yeah. the parallels, I mean, but yeah. It, it, that's the only thing is that they kind of come in masked, and that's cool. But like, I, I just like, when Darth Vader turned on his lightsaber and those guys were trapped, you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I could probably just watch that 20 to 40 seconds on repeat for hours i do something because it's so I, awesome I, I go back to that scene all the time and just watch it it's so when i'm good. having a bad day it just it sets me straight <laughs> it definitely make you feel good if you're like vader relating or anything like that so yeah uh i could see i could i could see that we're left with a lot of questions here austin not not yeah. a ton of answers i mean if i if you want to get into now just overall feelings of the season i'm gonna say this was cool very cool not as impactful or effective as the first season um i think a lot of the things we got to see and a lot of the situations that manda was put in a lot of the you know bo-katan ahsoka points all very cool there's so much cool stuff in this season that we get to see and we get to like connect to other pieces of star wars media 
was it as effective and you know groundbreaking as the first season? And the first season, I obviously has the novelty factor of being the very first taste of this we got, but I think I think it swung a little lower than the first season, all around. Hmm. Really cool, yeah. but I, I'm feeling a little bit of a blue balled <laughs> for the emotional narrative, impactful stuff. That's my that's that's the taste that's left in my mouth. Now, having been a couple of days after the the finale, what about you? Um, I think. Well, one obviously at the very end, Mando takes his helmet off in front of everyone, and that's huge for him. So, you know, that was cool. And maybe that's a change down the line for Mando. But uh, the season as a whole, I think they just had so much to do as far as introducing these massive players into the universe. And it's almost like the MCU rollout before we knew it was the MCU Star Wars style rollout. For what they had to try and do with these massive names into the storyline... I think they did a good job of basically wrapping up the Grogu saga for him and, I mean, checking the nostalgia boxes for old Star Wars fans and new and and keeping it going. Um, But, I mean, like, they just had to do so much of introducing massive characters without overdoing it and over including them and they like i just feel like it's the interconnections between all these things just made it difficult to deliver the type of season we saw in season one where it's like they don't really have that stress like we get these extra characters but nobody really knows them they're not from other lore um you know outside of their backstory so it's not really like that important right but this season it is humongous because you have um, you know, you have the return of Fennec Shan, who's actually going to be a huge character. You have Boba Fett returns. You have Ahsoka Tano coming in. You have Bo-Katan coming in. Uh, you have Luke coming in. Like, mm-hmm. you have all these massive people with established storylines that have agendas that you, if you watch other Star Wars things, that you know about already. You already know what all these people are about. And now they have to infuse them into a new story without them character dominating our main guy. But also they can't reveal too much because now we know that they're MCU revealing these people and all their own stuff. And it's just like for asking for what, like a 40 minute episode and including all this stuff. I think they did a good job with what they had. Yeah, honestly, like I I enjoyed the season and I, uh, you know, obviously we do have some more questions, but like, I think this is just like the bridge season of they had to find smooth ways to introduce all these characters for their, all their other shows. And then like, make sure that we're like interested in these other shows. Right. So they had to have more questions and answers um, versus last season. It was like, the only question was, okay, well, Mando's got a quest to do with Grogu, AKA baby Yoda at the time. Like, what do we do? Oh, by the way, Moff Gideon's still alive. Like now it's like Moff Gideon's alive. We don't really know what he was doing. Now there's this conflict with Bo-Katan. What about Ahsoka? What about Luke and Grogu now? What about those guys? Like, oh, not to mention Boba Fett and Fennec. Sean just blasted Jabba's old place up and now they're taking over over there. R.I.P. Like, Bib Fortuna. You didn't deserve to go out <laughs> like that, dog. That was messed up. 
Man, he got fat. He was definitely living the job of life, though. I, I'll tell you I, that I much. did. I did enjoy uh, that they brought Bib Fortuna back for a total of like 15 on-screen seconds just to blast them away. <laughs> but uh, to your, uh, I think you made a very important point just now that they were sort of testing Ahsoka and they were testing Bo-Katan, and you know they are kind of doing this MCU thing. And I just, I think, I, I think what I'm salty about is, did they have to? Did they have to put that burden, as you said, that weight on the Mandalorian season two? It's still a nascent show. I, I know this is a too much to want, or you know, too much to expect in these days where people got to make money to make shows happen, but. I just feel like it affects the soul of the work when it's being forced into a cross-marketing thing. And it what and I'm not saying it was totally forced because it wasn't. Ahsoka her episode in this season was great. It was one of the highlights episodes for sure. So it's not like it wasn't effective. But where it leaves you with aftermath and stuff that you have to tie up and kind of like you know deal with that makes things like the last three episodes of this season kind of weak, I think. And I think there was repercussions that affected the effectiveness of just the Mandalorian story. And I think that's a shame. I really think that's a shame. Uh, because the Mandalorian, their, look, their, their future seems bright, but it's not written in stone. Um, what whether you know it's going to continue to be good and whether it's going to continue at all is what i'm saying so i mean for the near future it's absolutely going to persist but i'm just saying for its legacy like that's not set in stone yet so don't be like what i'm saying is disney please don't be too quick to jump the gun to use now your new big hit as the launching off point for all the other stuff you're trying to sell to us please don't do that to this great thing you've done like one of the very one of the first good things you've done for star wars in a long time please don't use this as your your home base now to try other star wars ips willy-nilly obviously you're gonna do it obviously it's just the way the industry works but you know take it easy i mean they're hitting it with nine new shows and i know like not all of them use the mandalorian to like be marketed but it's just uh, that kind of stuff that's what worries me as someone who studies this industry like that is what makes me kind of pucker up and be like oh no here it comes here comes the bullshit like it just makes me nervous so far mm. so far it hasn't done much to dissuade me from like enjoying the mandalorian and enjoying this season it's not anything like that but it's just it's like an indicator that it might get real bad soon. And I always, always want to be proven wrong. And I hope I am. But let it just let let it be known that if this is the first misstep down a really, really salty sleeps Wow, what? A salt wait. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Steep slope, not sleep. Then What about salty? Are we including salt yeah. still or no? Okay. As in feeling salty Steep during salty. as in feeling salty during the descent of uh, of your steep slope of a steep slope. Yes, thank you. SSS is what we'll call that. Um, 
I don't know. It's just, to me. To me, it's kind of like it reminds me of EA. EA has all these properties <laughs> that people love. They are capable. Okay. They are capable of publishing great games still, but they are absolutely not helped by EA being their publisher. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they are good yeah. in spite of EA. And I really hope that is not the relationship that all of these new property Star Wars properties have with Disney Plus, trying to create the mom- just the gigantic profit that you know the MCU was able to capture with like their universe of shows. That's what I'm hoping doesn't happen, but we will see. All right, one EA and Dis- EA and what we have here are nothing alike. EA is the terror that keeps on terrorizing, and I will not stand for Star Wars to be compared to them. Not Star Wars, because not Star they Wars. They are the bottom of the bottom. Not Star Wars or Disney. Disney. Well, I mean, I guess you could kind of compare Disney, but you told Fa- I, well, I have trust in Favreau and Filani. So you totally can. And I'm not saying Favreau. I'm saying Favreau and Filani are going to have to work against the Disney Plus powerhouse. Keep in mind, I think they'll be okay. EA. They know how to ruin a, a trilogy. They sure do. So they does know how to ruin a lot of stuff. So does Disney. I mean, you and I have yeah. discussed this at length with the new mainline trilogy, the That's true. the the new Skywalker saga. And that didn't even start in that good of a place, and they still ruined it. So, I'm just saying they they have the capacity, they have the profit driven goals. That could really crash down hard on a good new thing. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying the yeah. capacity for failure is very much there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can agree with that. It is there, but I will, we'll, we'll, we'll flip, we'll, we'll change gears here. As you have highlighted all the pessimistic negative parts, I think. Right, 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 right. I'll go the other way. Um, with it and i think one you said please don't use the mandalorian as your launching pad okay too late that already happened like what we saw is the launching pad that's that's what it was so whether that was good or bad like i don't think there will be more launching pads on this show i think they accomplished what they needed they launched a lot of stuff lore wise through the mandalorian so i think that's already dead and gone um as far as how they're doing it i mean when you look at like the mcu they had a lot more wiggle room because they were in movies which you have more time to put more content into versus a show where you're trying to like drive a plot plus introduce plus keep it at a certain time you know all these different things so uh, maybe that's where that tripped them up a little bit but i don't really have an issue with them introducing the things that they are right now because i think it just I think for the the majority of Star Wars fans out there that don't know all that much between like the interconnections between all the movies, right? If you just watch the movies, there's like a ton of gaps that exist in your Star Wars history. And now you have a lot that you can fill through you know, Clone Wars and Rebels and Rogue One and, you know, hopefully Rogue One was included in, in your movies. But, like, I feel like people ask themselves, like, you know, I wonder what happened in between this time and this time. 
they don't really care, but it's a question that I think Disney, Favreau, and Filani have got, gone ahead and went ahead and answered it. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Like I said, with the introduction of Ahsoka, Thrawn, and now Luke, there is zero gaps between uh, Phantom Menace and The Rise of Skywalker. Right. Like, there are zero gaps now. Like, you can fill everything in with all the content. So I think they went ahead, and for the people that haven't really looked at or watched much else, they're filling the gap, and then they're saying, like, oh, hey, have you seen this stuff? Because we already told this story, which is one of the reasons The Clone Wars, the last season, came out in in February of this year. Like, it, it came out on Disney+, Plus because it, it's just, like, a continuation. So, um I think that was the 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 driving piece of the Mandalorian, and now you're get not you're you're really I feel like not gonna have to ask yourself like, well, what happens in between this time and this time? Like, the way they're creating it now is like there's still a massive gap between Ray's storyline with the Skywalker stuff, Force Awakens, and what what the Mandalorian is giving us because obviously there's a connection, so we have that that very light connection, which is still a connection. But now you still have all these big characters from like Rebels. You didn't really know what how that finished. Like Ahsoka, you know she dies at some point. If you really read into who was speaking at the Rise of Skywalker to Rey, like she was there. Her voice is her voice actor was in it. Um, you know, obviously Bo Katan and, and all this stuff. So I think we're just getting all this interconnecting web of Star Wars. I hate to say filler because it's not filler, but the lore the in-between lore that we're not really familiar with mm -hmm. and Favreau and Filani have delivered it in a sense of people will actually watch this like we've been advocating Clone Wars and Rebels at least I have since we've been talking about the Mandalorians you know one two years ago whatever it was but people aren't really going to do that especially since it's like animated and whatever people are weird about it but now that you have all these interconnecting pieces with the Mandalorian, and now you have, like, Ahsoka, and now you have, you know, you'll have Obi-Wan, you'll have, like, all these nostalgia connections, but you'll have natural progression into this content of filling in the gaps, I think. And then maybe that's kind of like a setup, like, it's stuff we're not really familiar with, but we kind of have a sense of where it connects to our Star Wars universe. And if they're really going to roll out the old republic or the new republic high republic whatever the the way back in the day you know what kotor is around maybe they they're connecting this mcu stuff and then people will be mega interested in the new movies because they're like oh well i just i watched all this stuff and it's like really cool and like actually star wars is really cool even if i don't need luke skywalker you know i don't need darth vader like, it's really cool without them because you're not going to have any of that if they go into the Republic. You'll have the Jedi. You'll have the Sith. You'll have that kind of stuff, which is going to be cool. But, like, do you trust it to be enough with just the Skywalker trilogy to release that? Or would you rather create, like, an MCU-style thing with all these characters that some people are familiar with? But you're just introducing how cool Star Wars is without all these main players. And then you're like, oh, hey, check this out. This is actually going to be massive right here, too. And you're like, oh. And then you you know, you know, have the audience go like, oh, wow, yeah. Now that I am more into Star Wars outside of Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, I'm really interested in this. I hear you. And look, you'll, you'll never 
you'll never find someone who believes in that sentiment more than me. Everybody always says, "Oh, you love Star Wars. Like, tell me about like what you think about the original trilogy." And like, I don't know one goddamn point of trivia about those original movies. Nor do I care to. I think they're great, but I don't rewatch those movies, and I don't love them as much as I just love the universe itself. Again, like, I got so much out of the games and the books, way more than the original trilogy, way more than any of the mainline movies. And I get what you're saying, and I hope I hope that's what happens. I, I really do. And I think the, the idea that that could happen and that's what Disney's going for is great. But, you know, just because you can do something doesn't always mean you should, especially if th- what's going into it, the heart and the passion, if that's not there, then... It doesn't matter if it's this extra universe thing or it's a mainline movie. It's just not going to be effective. Um, and that's the main thing. So I'm all for it. I'm I'm strapped in and I'm ready to go. I, I'm looking forward to like this new generation of Star Wars content. But, it you know, it, it could be the coolest, most interesting, extra, you know... Star Wars lore and new media and it could still be bad because Disney's like oh wow we can round out the universe by doing all this cool new stuff but they didn't they didn't have as much they didn't put as much you know pre-work into it like they did with the Mandalorian and now it's not very good well see I think I would agree with you if it wasn't anyone but Fulani and Favreau and whether Favreau continues to stay on or he goes off and creates a new amazing thing like Fulani by himself will create an amazing Star Wars universe for everybody. Now, if Fulani ever leaves and says, no, I can't operate like this. I'm out. Then, you know, the Disney war machine won out pushing their money agenda versus Fulani's Star Wars agenda. Because I don't think there's anything you can watch that Fellaini has been a part of that you're like, man, that doesn't, that sucked. Like, you're like, okay, you know, is every single thing he does going to be awesome? No, but at the same time, like, the majority is really cool. And it is the detailed, hard work, backstory-driven, like, lore, cre- like, it just has everything you would want. And it's it has been that way with Fellaini and Favreau. And with them leading you know, driving the boat, I feel comfortable with it. It's a massive undertaking and they? it's going to be they a lot of maneuvering. Is my thing. They're not working on all of these shows that are coming out. As far as we know, Favreau is only working on the Mandalorian and Filoni is only working on the Mandalorian and then the Bad Batch. That's the only confirmation we have, I I'm, think, so far, right? I don't know. So that that's all I'm saying is Disney is now like, all right, here are nine new properties, act 10 actually. Here are 10 new properties coming at you. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think the big ones will be fine, honestly. Like the ones that matter, which I guess is to your point. Like, yes, yeah, some of them will probably inevitably suck and not be that great. But at the same time, I, I mean, I think those two really do have 
like they they're the ones that have created this for i mean i guess to say disney in in a way but like i think they will do the universe justice despite not being in everything if that makes sense like I think there's an understanding, and I think we talked about it last week too, of the directors that were on The Mandalorian. They have been working with Favreau and Filani, and you know whether or not they expand out to other shows, we, we don't know. But if they do, I think it's safe to say they understand what the Star Wars universe and what it needs to be is all about. And it's not just like J.J. Abrams making lots of explosions in a movie and, you know, just hitting the nostalgia factor over and over and over again with the new trilogy. Like, I just think these guys have, and obviously you can't say under control, but like, I really still believe that they're kind of driving the ship here. They're the whole reason I think this could even be possible. And again, I think if... Either of them, I mean, I don't know about, I mean, Favreau could probably go and do his own thing. But if I, I would say the biggest thing is if Falani ever says, I can't do this, I'm out, then we're in trouble. 100%. Agree, like, oh gosh, you run for the hills. But as long as Falani is involved with Star Wars, the integrity of the universe is safe. Is all, you know, and, and with Favreau in there too. Obviously, Favreau will, will do what he wants because he's, made I, I such amazing saying. things but like i just think if falani is involved in any way in star wars at disney the universe is safe as soon as he leaves you're in trouble okay then that's my belief I, anyway I, I see i see your point about them setting a precedent and also training up a generation of uh of directors that could be utilized in the other properties sure um and i agree with you that falani falani is vital uh to to the star wars disney machine for sure i so far i see him more as a kind of a the spiritual successor to lucas in that he has he has the he has the core of star wars in his heart he understands that perfectly and his input is vital to making things feel like authentic star wars i do think he needs to be tempered by somebody like favreau who has um, more of like a practical type of vision for things. Uh, just because I know from what I've seen so far in the Clone Wars and from what I've read about Filoni, he is very, very much head in the clouds, like super, super, super creative, super in love with Star Wars. And like, so is Lucas. And Lucas is the reason we have Star Wars. And he's absolutely the most vital part about Star Wars. But when he got off the hinges a little bit, like when they let him loose, that's what the prequel trilogy was. So, <laughs> I think, and I don't—I'm not saying that's Filoni. I don't think—I don't think Filoni is capable of making like a Jar Jar Banks. But um, <laughs> I do think people like Filoni who have these super high-level, rich um, opinions, and you know, they—they they understand the feeling in narratives of Star Wars. They need to be paired with people like Favreau. So I, I'm hoping that that partnership continues. Yep. But I, I, I do as well. Whew. Eh, we'll, we'll kind of see, but that's my piece. Uh, that's lot, my piece. Austin. Lots on the horizon. 
Yeah, and I mean, I agree with you. It's going to be a hell of a big maneuver, and it's going to be easy, and I'm sure there's going to be casualties along the way, but I just think the core will be okay as it stands. But that remains to be seen, right? So Yeah. Yeah. We we shall see. There's, there's hope for the future, at least, uh, which is not something you can say after, you know, watching the most recent trilogy. Those okay. After those concluded, I was like, well, it was – Nice knowing you, Star Wars. That was fun. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, The Mandalorian has completely restored my faith. So, and by no means am I, like, truly disappointed or pessimistic about the future of at least The Mandalorian. Um, I'm not feeling that way at all. It's, it's really it's really my fears are placed on Disney itself, but... Um, That's yeah. fair. You can almost say with this, a new hope. All right, guys, uh, that's the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, please don't reach out to us or get us on social media. Uh, this is actually the last episode. We're done. Bye. You didn't like that pun? I thought it was great. I thought it was a great ending transition. We are all entitled to our opinions, Austin. It's like a dad pun transition. Dad puns are the best. I Star Wars dad wholeheartedly pun. disagree, but... <laughs> Yeah, I know you do because you um, have said as much with the Clone Wars. But yeah. that's another story for another time. Um, any final thoughts outside of your takes on my awesome puns? Star Wars, good time, great fun. I love uh, podcasting with you. Uh, the boys. Maybe next. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, I, We're thinking about we'll it. We'll have to... We'll have to figure out what's next. We'll probably be off the grid for a little bit through the holidays with a lot of traveling and so on and so forth. Um, but we won't disappear, hopefully, like last time. Um, and we'll continue to break something else down and we'll keep rolling. I mean, The Witcher 2 is on the horizon. I think there was a new trailer that was released. I haven't seen it yet. But I have not Witcher either. 2, Witcher 2 is coming. So that'll be for sure something. Hopefully we're... We're definitely not going to wait until that because I don't know when that is, but right. it it will be one of the things since it's something we touched on before. But anyways, with all that being said, as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Let us know what we can do better or if there's a show you want to listen to. Otherwise, we'll just pick one, which is probably what's going to happen. So that's cool. Um, but as always, Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dweeb Dive. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please like and give us a follow so we can continue diving into your favorite topics. There's been a lot of hot takes. There's been a lot of claims, a lot of references to the deep lore. If you have a question, a comment, feedback, you're angry with me for something perhaps inaccurate I said, which is very likely, please do not hesitate to reach out on our accounts and ask us the big questions. We would love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.